Just a, a little bit of background to this morning. Uh, Kirk gave me a call, I think it was on Monday, and he said, Dad, um, whoever was down for this Sunday is not able to do it. You know, I'm in Melbourne. Will you pick it up for me? And I said, sure. And I said, what would you like me to speak about? Now, if you know me, I don't normally ask that question. I go, yep, I'll do it. And I ask what the Lord wants to have on his heart. Because at the moment as a church, um, Kirk has asked that those that are speaking would work through the values of the vineyard. And there's a list of those values. And, and uh, Karen last week did the pursuit of God, which is one of our values and did a beautiful job. Thank you for that, Karen. Um, and Kirk, I think, spoke on discipleship, or I spoke about discipleship a few weeks ago. But the thing is that uh, I, he said, Dad, whatever's on the list, whatever you think. And I said, okay. Um, so I looked at the list, and, and as I looked down it, I felt like the Lord highlighted prayer. And so I shot him a text and said, prayer. And he said, go for it. Well, the other part of it is that we did agree, as those that are listed to speak in this season would send bullet points to Kirk on a Friday night about what the theme or what our notes are for the message on Sunday and and when that came up I had a bit of a smile on the inside because I I never write my messages until Saturday afternoon or Saturday night and he asked for it on Friday night and I said I'll work on it and I'm quite happy to do that because that's what you've asked everybody to do I didn't ask for an exemption because I was old and used to do it all the time and I was happy to be part of it so anyway so Friday night I said to Carol i got to send some bullet points to Kirk. So I, I sat down and I said, Lord, just give me the... And, and the Lord downloaded the message to me in about 15 minutes. So um, this is the 15-minute version you're going to get this morning. Um, but it'll probably be extrapolated a little because this morning at the gym, the Lord said to me, I want you to go and explain that. And I said, oh, okay, Lord, that's pretty cool. And uh, it was important. Siri is helping me again. I turned her off. She just said she doesn't think she understands. Well, I pray that you will understand. Thank you, Lord, that you are going to be the interpreter of what I bring for the folks here today. <clears throat> so anyway, so prayer was the thought and the theme that the Lord gave me. And then as I opened up my Everyday with Jesus, which for those of you that know me, I, I do that every day. The theme this week, guess what it was on? Prayer. I go, yes. I love it when God sort of gives you a bit of a, an underline and helps you to go, you're on target for this. And so that was where it all started. And so as I walked through the week, I kept seeing promptings about prayer and I'm going, yeah, this is good. So my notes at the top of the page, I wrote prayer. I thought, that's a good start. <laughs> and then like I said, Lord, what's prayer? He said, David, it's a heart thing. Prayer, it's a heart thing. I said, oh, okay, it is too. It's a heart thing. So, and then I started looking at other posts that came up and I see Sarah standing over here. And she put a post up about prayer and, and the heart. And Berute, who's not here this morning, but yesterday morning at prayer, she typed out... Um, I think I've got it here, actually, because I asked it to be sent to me. I'll get to the message in a minute. I'm just giving you some background here. Um, but this is all part of it. Wendy, you sent it to me, didn't you? Yesterday morning. I can't find it. 
Ah, Siri. Siri? <laughs> Have you got it there? Thanks. Oh, no, it's in Messenger. That's right. That's right. I remember now. I remember. Here we go. I got it. This is what yesterday morning came up in prayer before we started praying from one of the team that comes to pray. God is showing me the heart speaks out. He hears the voice of our hearts. In heaven they don't process thoughts and thinking like we do on earth. We choose not to say things so as not to offend and we use these filters. Yet our hearts are different to what we say. We live in conflict sometimes as we do not always speak our hearts. Heaven speaks with his heart and instantly pierces the territories of darkness. How cool is that? That came yesterday morning to one of the prayer team as we were meeting to pray for the church. She didn't have a clue that I was going to speak about prayer and that it was a heart thing. So, are you listening? I think God set the agenda. So let's go. Prayer, it's a heart thing. Now this is the bit the Lord added at the gym this morning. He said, David, people will want to know what you mean by heart. I said, oh, okay. So I went to my Vines dictionary, which is now just fallen out of the place. And in the Old Testament, when the, when the word heart is written, these are some of the highlights of what is meant. The, the word is lieb, L flat E B, lieb, is, is how it was written in the, um, the Hebrew language. Heart and mind. Heart may refer to the organ of the body, also rever refers to the inner part or the middle of a thing, the core of something can be used of the inner man, can be used of man himself and his personality. These are all the different settings for that same word in the Old Testament. The seat of desire, inclination or will is often indicated with the word heart. The seat of emotions. The seat of knowledge and wisdom and a synonym for the mind. Wow, heart's pretty broad, isn't it? Heart may be the seat of conscience and moral character. And there's references that go to support all these. I'm just reading you out the different ways the word L-E-B, lieb, is, is used, which is the word for heart. It also may refer to the seat of rebellion and pride. Oh, okay. I don't like that one. God, because of his heart, wants to give us a new heart. And I'm going to refer to that. The heart stands for the inner being of man and man himself, man and woman, of course. So let's see what the New Testament says. The word heart in the New Testament is, there's a couple of different ways it's described. Cardia, which is the, the heart. We talk about cardio, cardio uh, you know what I mean. That's the physical heart. Also, the seat of physical life, the seat of moral nature and spiritual life, the seat of grief, 
The heart in its moral significance includes the emotions, the reason and the will. The heart causes us as the core of life to do the will of God. The heart is... I'm trying to pull out little bits here. Um, that's probably enough. But because there's, we, we see in the scriptures definitions of hardness of heart and we see uh, that God knows our heart. So that's, when I say prayer, it's a heart thing. Prayer involves all of that. It involves all of who we are. It's not just, I'm going to pray now, so I'm going to listen to my spirit. We, in, in doing that, sometimes we shut off the core of who we are. And you see, God came and gave us a new heart when we said yes to Jesus. But we live in a tarnished world. It's not like when we gave our hearts to Jesus that we were, and we, sorry, when we gave our hearts to Jesus, we were born again. We become a new creation. But we still live in an environment that is not clean and pure. We live in the world. And that is a, it's like putting something beautiful out in the weather. You put silver out and see what happens to it over time in the weather. It gets very black. It tarnishes. It needs to be polished. And the same happens to our heart. We haven't been transported into a new place of living. We've been transported on the inside, but the place we live in is still the world that we live in. And so these are the things that will cause our heart to be challenged and cause our heart to be less receptive to the loving touch of God because our environment wants to tarnish the clear flow of communication. Prayer is the essential life link for the child of God with the Father. Without prayer, we are disconnected from God. The word prayer, meaning all of those uh, factors of communication that we have with God. Now, just for clarity, when I speak of prayer here today, I'm speaking of our communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm not speaking of declarations we make into the spirit realm when we're speaking to the darkness. I separate those two things out in, in my understanding. When I speak, when I'm praying, I'm praying to God the Father. But in the middle of a prayer, I might break off and speak to the darkness and declare victory over what the darkness is doing. But I'm declaring that as a disciple of Jesus into the dark realm. That's not prayer, that's proclamation. As Christians, we have a communion channel with God called prayer. Well, this is how I separate it so I don't get messed up. A communion channel of God called prayer and a, and a channel of communion that I have with the darkness, which is me taking Jesus' authority over everything the darkness is doing. So that's a proclamation or a declaration. Prayer is a whole other world for me. That's where I have this time with the Father and the Father with me. Prayer is meant to be a fully functional, 24-7, open communication channel from our hearts connecting to the Father's heart. 
Let me just say that again. I'm on page one. Prayer is meant to be a fully functional, 24-7, open communication channel from our hearts, all of those parts of who we are that we read out, from the core of who we are to the Father and him to us. That's what prayer is. It's meant to be. It's not, it's time for me to pray. I'm going to sit down and have this quiet time with God. It is that. But it's also when I'm looking around here and going, God, these, these are awesome people here. Thank you for bringing them all together today that we can spend time together. Because that's what went through my heart before. So I prayed for you all like that. When Corey shared about the autumn leaves, that was a touch of God's revelation that he was thanking God for. That's prayer. It's communion with God. It's this up and down thing. And or in and out, or roundabout, whichever way you want to put it. But it's, it's me and God, and you and God, and us and God. And there's corporate prayer. There's prayer that we have as we gather together and we join in prayer, as we did for the chaplains before. And one person will pray, and we all go, yes, in our spirit, yes, from our heart. And so that connects into this communion with God. And so God didn't hear one voice. He heard all our heart voices going, we agree with that, Lord. And God goes, these guys are serious about this stuff. It's not just somebody waving their arms around. This is prayer. This is precious. Prayer. It's a heart thing. The heart or the seat of life connection with what is around us. And it's the genesis of our communion conversation with God. In Proverbs 4, it says this. Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything of you flows from it. Well, when you read out what the heart is, you can understand that, can't you? It's like everything that flows from us comes from our heart. It's our emotions, it's our thoughts, it's all of the parts of who we are, it's the core of us, it's the inner man in us or inner woman in us. And that is where this well of connection with God comes from and so it's important that we guard our hearts that we go I don't want to get tarnished in this world Lord guard my heart Lord ask for God's help to have your heart be guarded you cannot stop being in certain environments you get on a train you're on a train you can't stand on the roof because you've got to get inside the roof you get electrocuted I've discovered I haven't discovered but I understand that and so you get in the cabin with all the other people. So you're in there. And there can be people in there that want to worship Satan, for all you know. Some may. But you're there in that environment. So you say, Lord, just keep my heart from being tarnished. You can't jump off the train. You stay on the train. It's like, it's even worse on a plane, by the way. I remember when Carol and I, <laughs> many years ago, we were, it was Carol's first long plane ride and we, we were going from Sydney to Los Angeles San Francisco actually it was and uh, Carol said I'm not sure about this it's a long ride I said yeah but it's fine honey you, you know, you'll be okay so we got on the plane and we were about halfway across the Pacific and Carol said David I said what love she said I just want to get out and have a little walk <laughs> I said well honey you know what we can't organise that right now she said that's okay I, I just want to let you know that I just really feel like I'd like to get out and have a little walk around. Well, that's not a practical thing to arrange in the middle of a flight across the Pacific. My heart was to say yes. 
Now, I better rephrase that, hadn't I? Oh, <laughs> oh, I wanted to bless her, not get rid of her. <laughs> oh, dear, how you can put your foot in it. <laughs> yeah, where's the shovel? There's a shovel up the back. So guard your heart. Let, let what comes out of who you are be from a guarded heart, not from an unguarded heart. In Ezekiel 36, 26, the Lord says to Israel, I'll give you a new heart. I'll exchange your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. Now, and then the Lord says, and when I do that, then I will give you my spirit. He wouldn't release his spirit into the people until their hearts had changed. Sometimes we want the blessing without the heart change, you know. We want to say, Lord, give me everything. I'll be okay. When you do that, I'll be okay. But that's the cart before the horse. The Lord's saying, let me exchange the heart that's hard, that's where you're speaking from. Let me give you a new heart. And he does that when we say yes to Jesus. He gives us a new heart. And then the Spirit comes. Then the Holy Spirit comes. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a new heart. Have it. It's free. All you've got to do is say, yes, Jesus, I accept that you did everything that needs to be done for me to be okay with the Father. Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus said, when we say that, we're born again. It's a whole new way of living. Because then he gives us a new heart. We are born again. God deals with the heart. Because it's the life link with the Father energized by and fueled by the Holy Spirit. Get that? You can get a new heart and the Lord will give you the Spirit. But we need to then be open to let the Holy Spirit be the energy that comes into that new heart. That our born-again self is relying upon the Spirit of God for our communion with God. And when we do that, it's funny that we pray differently. Well, I pray differently. <laughs> when, when I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and it gets easier as you get on doing it more and more, that when I'm driving along, I, I see things in the sky, like clouds. And believe it or not, I get excited about clouds. I go, wow, how cool is that cloud? Look what God just drew in the sky for me to see. And you know what? No one else on planet Earth is seeing that cloud from this place right now and seeing the picture God drew for me. You get that? Well, that's how I think anyway. And it's true. It's true. And so I go, thank you, God, for that cloud, that shape. And sometimes when we're out at work and Wendy works with me and drives around in the car a lot with me, every now and again she'll say, oh, look, and I think I'm going to run into somebody, but she's seen a rainbow. I'm, I'm getting better at not jumping on the brakes when she says that. But a rainbow causes her to get excited because she knows it's God showing her his promises and reminding her when she sees a rainbow that God said, I'm not going to flood the earth again. I'm going to burn it up. So, you know, maybe the climate change people have got something. But I'm trusting God for the change of climate when it's his choice. Anyway, I'm not on that today. The other thing that I want to just present as part of a thesis this morning about the heart is Saul 
was on the road to Damascus. And he was going to persecute the Christians. And suddenly the Lord blinded him. And, the Lord, and he said, Lord, what are you doing to me? I just think it's fascinating that he said, Lord, what are you doing to me? He knew it was the Lord. You know, he's out there to persecute everybody that's wanting to honour Jesus. And he go, hang on, God, what are you doing? I think that was God's grace to Paul because he couldn't see God. He needed to be blinded with his eyes for his heart to come alive to be able to receive the communion and the communication from God. That's a revelation God gave me. That I believe that God's grace blinded Paul that day. And then Paul for three days had to get the eyes of his heart enlightened. So what's he write to the Ephesians church? I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to know the hope. You see, Paul had to be blind in the natural to see in the spirit. Now, I'm not sure that's why we often close our eyes to pray, but for me, when I close my eyes, I do see better in the spirit. I can see in the spirit with my eyes open, but it's better for me to shut out the world's goings-on when I pray. I find it easier to see. So that's pretty interesting sometimes when I'm driving. <laughs> so they're the times when I try to keep my eyes open. But Paul was blinded, but then he saw... And that was interesting too because in that time the Lord spoke to Ananias and said, you go and pray for this man. And he said, hang on a second, Lord. Um, this is the guy that wants to come and kill us. And the Lord said, I need you to go and be my messenger to this man because he's going to be a messenger for me into the Gentiles. <clears throat> and Paul knew that this guy was coming. All this happened in the spirit heart to heart, God to Paul, when he couldn't see a thing. And that, that was when Paul's ministry to the churches was birthed. And if you read the prayers of Paul, go through the epistles, go through the, the, the books of the Bible that Paul wrote, and where he speaks to the church or where he prays for the churches, the passion that Paul has. He might be upset with them, but he prays always out of his heart to the Father's heart. They're beautiful. Awesome. Have a read sometime. And then the other thing that I think is fundamental is where Paul speaks to us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where he says, pray without ceasing, be thankful in all things. For this is what's right for you in Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a sense of at all times, be, be joyful all the time, but be thankful all the time. And in all circumstances, in all circumstances, say, thank you, Lord, I trust you. I mean, this is me paraphrasing that scripture. But it's about our whole 24-7 living in this communion with God, which... I'm calling prayer, which God calls prayer. It's this one-on-one -on -one with him. Pray without ceasing. So what about Jesus? What did he do with prayer? And what did he say about prayer? 
Well, just a couple of things I want to focus on tonight. Jesus, our master, our teacher, our saviour, our friend, God in the flesh with us. When the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, because they'd seen Jesus, they, they saw him withdraw to be with the Father. Jesus, and, and he prayed healing for people in front of them, and he did miracles in front of them. Um, but there were times when he withdrew to just have this personal quiet time with the Father. And they said, teach us how to pray. And that's a heart prayer, the Lord's Prayer. You know, when I went to school, which is quite a while ago now, in primary school we would go to parade every morning and we would stand together and we would recite the Lord's Prayer at school in Queensland. And we'd on parade recite the Lord's Prayer and most of us rambled it off. It didn't actually mean anything. But you know what? God was listening. And he was going, somebody there is really trying to get those kids to know that I love them. And I think that was one of the most awesome things as I look back on it that happened for me in my childhood was that privilege of standing on parade every morning and saying the Lord's Prayer. One of the little funny things that happened was, and you've probably all heard this joke, but I've got to tell it. When somebody asked the boys in, in class, what was God's name? And he said, Harold. You heard this one? And they said, what do you mean Harold? He said, well, our Father who art in heaven, Harold be thy name. <laughs> so he had it all sorted. <laughs> anyway, holy be your name, Father. But that was, th that prayer, if you let it just have a read and a quiet contemplation with it, and you'll see it's not only acknowledging God and not only inviting God's kingdom to come, but when we do that, we're asking for the grace of God to come and cause our lives to be fully connected with the Father. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep us from all the tarnish, Father. Help our hearts stay connected to you without all the, the tarnish of what's going on around about us. It's a beautiful prayer. But the one that probably nails it for me is John 17. In John 17, Jesus is having a prayer time with the Father just at the end of his earthly ministry. And you know, one of the things we do in the vineyard is we open the word. We've already had it open, but I just want to do the, the thing with the book. Because I want to read John 17 to you. It's a bit of a chapter, but I, I pray it'll bless you. <clears throat> in verses 1 to 5, Jesus is praying for himself. In verses 6 to 19, he prays for the disciples. And from 20 to 26, he prays for us. One of the things that we sometimes don't appreciate is God's prayers don't get rubbed out at the end of the, the prayers and conversations with God don't get deleted at the end of the day they're in God's forever bank of this is a prayer this is a heart connection I've had with my children my friends and the prayer that Paul prayed the, sorry the prayer that Jesus prayed when he asked that the father would bless those that would know because of what the disciples did that's us so Jesus prayed for you and me. He saw us in his heart that day when he spoke to the Father. I genuinely believe that. 
Does that make you feel warm and fuzzy? It does me. Jesus saw you. And he saw me in that picture when he said, Father, them that will believe because of what the disciples are going to do because of what they've learnt from me, which is from you to me to them to go on and on and on and on. What an incredible prayer. This is how it sounds. And the other thing is that right at the start, oh, we'll get to read it in a minute, right at the start of this, Jesus explains what eternal life is, and we can miss it sometimes. He says this, Father, after he looked towards heaven, so Jesus looked up, we would assume, and he prayed. And that's another thing. He didn't have his head buried on the ground looking into the ground. He had his eyes up looking to his father. He says it here. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him, speaking of himself, authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life, that we would know God the Father and know Jesus who God sent. We don't have to wait until we're in a box or in the ground. That's not eternal life. Eternal life starts now when we meet Jesus. That's why it's so fun. We're in eternity now. We're having a communion with God that's 24-7. We can call it prayer. I'm calling it prayer today. It's this communion, open communion with a living God who is real and he's here via his spirit and he is connected to us because we've said yes to Jesus. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And so God is, Jesus is saying to his Father, I've brought you glory because it's all for you that I did this. It's all for your glory. Nothing to do with for me. It's all for your glory, Father. And now, Father, glorify me. Bring me into that place of your presence, in your presence, with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. This is a very personal conversation that Jesus is having with his Father. Jesus on earth with his Father in heaven. This is a communion of exchange, heart exchange, feeling what Jesus had walked through. And he's saying, these, these guys that you've given me, Father, they're, they're, these are the ones I'm praying for now. They know that everything you have given me comes from you. Jesus is giving glory to God the Father for everything that these guys have got. He's saying, they know that. They know it's all about you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. That's a big word. They accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. How cool is that? I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those 
you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. How cool is that? I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Jesus is concerned that the disciples are going to be okay. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Jesus is declaring there's power in his name to protect us and the disciples. Or the disciples and us. So that they may be one as we are one. Here we go. The oneness, the heart thing is happening. Jesus is saying, Father, let the disciples be one with us, me and you. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scriptures would be fulfilled. Lazarus, oh, not Lazarus. <laughs> he, got, he got life again, didn't he? The bad guy. What's his name? Judas, that's him. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy. The full measure. Jesus is saying, Father, give them the full measure of my joy. And Jesus knows joy to the extreme because he knows what joy is. Fruit of the Spirit, but it's joy. Jesus is saying, let them have my joy. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. Now, there you go. The world's going to hate you, but you're going to have the Lord's joy in the middle of the world hating you. Only God can do that, but he can. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. So what happens? We get born again into a new realm, but we still live in the world. We're still surrounded by the brokenness of the world. We're still here on planet Earth. We haven't migrated to our new address yet, which will be after this body stops working and my address will be care of Jesus. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Jesus is really nailing it here. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. So we are not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So that's the prayer for the disciples. Then he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. That's our prayer. That's the prayer Jesus prayed over us. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. 
This, this nails me, this scripture. It just continues to blow my mind that Jesus would be praying for us like that then. How could you not get excited about being a Christian? Because that's the prayer. That's, that's, our, that's our lot in Jesus Christ. How cool is that? Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. He's saying, I want them to see just how cool it is when you and I are together, Dad. You know, that's, that's an awesome picture. The creator and the one that was all created through and for together. You know, my mind explodes when I think what I'm going to see and be part of in that place of communion with the Father and the Son. And you know what? We get glimpses of that here on earth as we are born again and as we're walking with the Lord. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And the Lord's saying, the world does not know God. So we shouldn't be surprised when the world says, we don't want to know God. That's the world. The spirit of the world is very rampant right now in the earth, wanting to deny God. But he says, I know you and they know that you've sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus' prayer for himself, for his disciples and for us. If ever you're feeling a bit down and out, have a read of that prayer. Because it's Jesus has prayed that for us, for you, for me. This is the real heart prayer, wanting a oneness with us and inviting us into that. Jesus showed us then from the cross his heart. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. You know, he's being crucified and he's saying, Father, forgive them. It's his heart cry that these people would not have this action to take Jesus' earthly life away from them, from him being put against their name. And he also, from the cross, spoke to, his, to Mary, his mother, his earthly mother, and he said, here's your son to look after you when I'm gone. And he pointed to John, we assume, says the one he loved. So he was taking care of business right up until the end before he took his last breath here on earth, before he was resurrected. So the challenge for today's world is to let our hearts become flesh at the hand of a loving father. And I believe it's a choice beyond an initial head agreement that Jesus is good news for sinful man and a ticket to freedom from the darkness and its power. It's more than that. We need to let God, in his love, exchange our old hardened hearts for his heart for us. To release the life, to release the life flow communication of the 24-7 communion, that the joy of shared life with Jesus would shine out from us to those around us, fueled by the Holy Spirit. Sensitising our hearts to the Father and Jesus for that open channel in the saints' hotline. Because you know you're a saint, don't you, when you give your heart to Jesus? You're no longer a sinner, you're a saint. You've been transferred from column A to column B, or column B to column A, if you want to put it that way. But truly you are. When you say yes to Jesus, 
He calls us family. God calls us his children, and we belong to the category in the scriptures called saints. Peter writes to us. And so, as I've said before, you can call me Saint David, and I won't take that in any way an offence. In fact, my friend up the back here, he calls me King David. I met him at the gym. Good to have you here, brother. And he, he, we introduced ourselves. He said, I said, David. He said, oh, King David. I said, no, but he's a friend of mine. Um, and that was how he remembered my name. And he said, my name's Duke. You know, like Dukes of Hazard. I said, I'll remember your name too. So Duke's come along this morning. So bless you, mate. I hope the Lord blesses you heaps while you're here with us. If you want some help with getting fit, I've watched him. He works out really hard. But this sensitizing of our hearts is what God wants to do. You see, prayer isn't an emergency crisis hotline. It is that, but it's meant to be more than that. It's the jump into the Father's lap, saying, wow, Dad, what a day. <laughs> you know, and it mightn't have been real flash the way we planned it, but we get to the end of it, we go, whoo, another one down. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, some of those days aren't what we would describe as, oh, it was a lovely day. I don't actually have many of them. I have days where it's like, boom, crash, wallop, what now? Here we go. Thanks, Lord. Whew, thanks, Lord. Let's try again tomorrow and see if we can have some more fun. Being thankful is so, so important. It's so important. And so the Lord says to us today, let me sensitize your heart. Let me wash away the tarnish that's come from the world around us. Have a fresh wash <laughs> that our heart, the core of who we are, that God has transplanted into us by his grace, his mercy, his love, his glory, as he brings that and gives it to each one of us when we say yes to Jesus, he wants to keep it polished. And he does that with just being sensitive to him asking Lord help me to stay soft help me to stay soft help me to stay full of your joy help me to stay with a forgiving heart the kind of thing we pray in the Lord's prayer help me Lord to be like you help me Lord to connect with what you asked for for me in that prayer John 17 I, I want that I want to connect with that. I want to live like that. I want to live in that space of, wow, another day. Well, I've got time on this planet. I want it to be a glorious day for you, Lord, and I know when it is, it's going to be pretty awesome for me too. Don't let the day overwhelm the glory of the Lord in your life. Let him bless you.